This morning again, we're going to take another look, another look from a different angle at uh, what it is for us, uh, having reviewed the life of Jesus, to live like Jesus. Um, we are all called to do that. And so it's helpful for us to understand what that call is. How do we do that? This morning we're going to be looking at a passage from Philippians chapter 2. And we will be reading the first 11 verses there. Philippians 2 at verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this in mind, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and has bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. May the Spirit give us wisdom as we seek to understand how to live like Jesus. I've mentioned it before here that um, my most favorite car, uh, my first car, uh, really, and I've said it before without shame, really the best car there ever was, uh, the 69 Firebird. I know I'm I'm looking at a few people here that have uh, hobby cars and and, uh, memories of really good cars, and I hate to break that to you, but the 69 Firebird, uh, such a wonderful car. Uh, I, I bought that car from a classmate of mine in my senior year in high school. Uh, it wasn't perfect. Uh, there was actually a rust hole through the back chrome bumper. Um, I could find spots where it had been repaired with Bondo. Uh, the engine in it at the time when I bought it was uh, not doing so well. Uh, there were some minor imperfections on the inside. Uh, the exhaust system started to go out at one point. It doesn't sound like the greatest car so far, does it? But when that thing would have rolled off the assembly line in 1969, a forest green with a hard white vinyl top, uh, the perfect—is it so okay to say that? The perfect dating vehicle, where the of the bench seat up front instead of buckets. It's a good car, wasn't it? Uh, that was a beautiful car. Uh, oh, to be able to have restored that back to original. Uh, the way it would have rolled 
out of the showroom floor. Uh, I never had that opportunity when I uh, was involved in an accident where somebody failed to yield the yield sign and my car was totaled. Uh, but to think of that car restored back to its original condition in all of its beauty, oh, that would have been something to see. I haven't had a dream about that car in a long time. Maybe this will spur it on tonight. Maybe I'll be that fortunate as to have a dream about that car. I always love those dreams. Until I wake up and I realize I don't own that car anymore. But there's something about seeing things the way they were um, meant to be in all of their beauty and glory. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. There, there has been a restoration process taking place now for thousands of years. Something has been in great need of repair, great need of restoration, far more than any car that has ever uh, rolled the streets of the earth. I'm talking about the, the human condition. All the way back at the beginning of the story, uh, God set up a perfect world, uh, beyond just a perfect world, a perfect universe and a perfect kingdom in which He ruled and reigned and mankind had a, a role and a place in that kingdom. Created perfectly. Very good, as God said. You remember that from, from Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps along the earth. So God made man in His own image, male and female. He created them. And it was perfect. Just the way it was supposed to be. But you also remember just... Two chapters later, something tragic happened to the image of man as it reflected the image of God and a deceiver came in and tried to persuade the man and the woman to go against the plan and the will and the design of God. They they sought as as man and woman, as husband and wife, to, to explore an identity different than the one that God had given them. God had a particular design and plan for them, and He was going to reveal to them what life would be like for them. And then a deceiver came along and tried to persuade them to think about their identities in a different way. Not not the way God had described it, but twisting it and distorting it and making it a different picture, a different image. And from that time forward, the plan of God was in motion. Actually, uh, if you look at the whole of Scripture, even before that time, even before the twisting of the human condition happened, there was a plan to restore that which was going to break. And that restoration process has been in place and in motion that whole time. 
mankind had fallen in just one command. Just, just one thing that God set as a parameter around it. It was, it was a huge command, though. It was to uh, maintain obedience to God, listening to Him, taking from Him what He would give them, and not going outside of that. And yet, we, we whittle that down to uh, taking from a fruit from a tree. That's, that's, that's the way He wrapped all that up and what He wanted them to stay obedient to. Uh, don't eat from that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that one because that will bring death. And they didn't listen. They, they went outside of that. So even with one command that Adam and Eve couldn't keep, God kept adding more commands. It seems kind of strange that if they couldn't keep one, how are they going to keep ten commandments? How will they keep a number of commandments that God would give them throughout the Old Testament? How would they continue to keep more of them as time went by when they couldn't even keep one? But God had a, had a standard for His people right from the beginning. From the very beginning of our existence, God set a standard for us to live by. Perfection. Living in faithful obedience always. Knowing that we were going to fall into sin, God still had the standard at the top and He never lowered it. In all of human history, God has never lowered the standard for His people above complete and perfect obedience. And yet, there's not one of us here and no one that has gone before that has been able to reach that level of living right before God. Except one man and you know Him as Jesus. The man Jesus lived on this earth in such a way that every command of the Father He fulfilled perfectly. One man walked this earth the way we were supposed to. Jesus did that. Just as Adam was representative of the, the entire human race, of all of mankind, as we are born uh, like Adam into this world, coming into this world, through Adam, we are all born broken creatures. Every one of us. Adam, Adam is the prototype for all of humanity in that sense where we all, we all have... Uh, that same nature within us, one that seems to be bent on going against the will of God. While He was created, Him and Adam and Eve created perfectly in the image of God, there was a, a, a breaking of that image and we all bear that now. So Adam is that, is that a representative of all of humanity from the beginning of time. And while we still bear in our 
bodies, in our hearts, in our minds, um, a, a part of the image of God yet. It hasn't disappeared completely, but it is rather distorted. We only need to spend a little bit of time with anybody to realize that um, the good image of God that's in us has its limitations yet. My own goodness is twisted and self-serving at times. The way we do things, the way we interact with each other is not perfect and complete and whole. We do things uh, looking sometimes to our own interest as as Philippians says there, but we are meant to look beyond ourselves, beyond our interest, and yet we don't quite have that ability in and of, our, of ourselves. So just as Adam was the representation of all of mankind from uh, the moment of creation, Christ now brings us to a, a new understanding of the representation of humanity. Jesus, Jesus came to this earth to, to show us something that we hadn't seen before. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, For as in Adam all die, because we are still in that way descendants of Adam, uh, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Those that are in Christ, there's life once again. For those that remain in Adam, death still reigns. The only redeeming thing that brings people from death to life is Jesus Christ. And that's what Scripture reminds us of so clearly and so powerfully. We have been failing at what God has designed us to be since the very beginning uh, there was a time, certainly, when, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and we don't know how long that was, but they were there and they were living uh, the way that God had intended for them to live. They, they lived in community with God. Uh, they, they fulfilled the commands of God. They, they continued to do the work that He created them to do. But when the deceiver came and brought... Uh, an overwhelming temptation that they just couldn't resist into the world and they fell into sin. We have been failing to live up to the standard that God had set for humanity all along. But, but He always gave us direction. He always, he always kept moving us along in such a way that we wouldn't stray so far back to the image of Adam until He would bring us to the place where we would be restored into the likeness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Where where we failed, Christ has succeeded every time. In order for Jesus to, to be the new representative for all of humanity, He had to become like us. Um, He emptied Himself, it says in our text, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, not just appearing that way. He was fully man and fully God. But in order for us to have a true representative of of who we are supposed to be, Jesus, in His humanity, 
had to live his life the way we were supposed to and, and fulfill what the Father would command him. Hebrews 2, uh, 17 says, Therefore he had to be made, his like, made like his brothers in every respect. Jesus had to be like us in every way. He wasn't partly man and mostly God. And, and everything that he would do on the earth was because he was God. He had to become like us in every respect. And you see that as it shows up in Scripture. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, at just the right time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, like us, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus Christ was born the way we were born. He came into the world in the same manner, well, you know the miraculous story of the conception, but his birth was like ours. Jesus was going to set an example for us in his, in his humanity that uh, would be for our redemption. Jesus was going to live his life in such a way that it would begin to bring restoration to what it is to be man on the earth, mankind, human beings on the earth. Hebrews 4 says, we don't have one, we don't, we don't have a high priest, we don't, we don't have one who is uh, unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has also been tempted just like we are, and yet without sin. The temptation that came to Adam and Eve in the garden was not sin for Adam and Eve. Uh, we all face temptation. The temptation is not the sin, unless you're the one doing the tempting. If your intent is to tempt somebody into an evil act, that is sin. But for, for the ones receiving the temptation, it is not sin unless you act on it. And so Jesus was like us in every way, being tempted just as we are, and yet he never sinned. The, the failure of Adam and Eve has become the the victory of Jesus. Tempted in every way, but without sin. He grew up uh, in this world. He, he increased in, in wisdom and knowledge and stature uh, before God and before men. He, he grew up like we did. He, he grew in wisdom. Jesus learned obedience. That's a, a little trickier one to deal with. Was he disobedient? That he had to learn obedience? Well, never sinned. But Jesus would have to do what we have to do, and the way we do that with our kids as well, where we teach them to obey. We show them uh, what we need to have done, explain why that's necessary, and give them opportunity to obey. 
And Jesus had those same opportunities growing up with Mary and Joseph, given tasks to do that he would need to obey and learn why that's so valuable to do. And Jesus would learn obedience. Learn why it's so valuable to have those lessons. He did that. He, he grew up like we did. He learned obedience, uh, Hebrews would say, by what he suffered. Sometimes that's the, that, that's the learning obedience that you and I need to wrestle with is um, being obedient, especially when it means you're called on to suffer. That, that, would be the, that would be the temptation for us is to not obey then and just uh, obey when it's easier. But Jesus sets the standard for us in that he, he learned obedience by what he suffered. And he suffered a lot, as you know. Jesus was, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit uh, at his baptism there in the Jordan. Uh, the Spirit descended upon Him and filled Him, setting that same pattern for us. He was then uh, led by that Spirit to go out into the wilderness where He would face temptation. The Spirit leading Him in that, uh, strengthening Him in those times of trial and temptation. Jesus uh, learned uh, the, the spiritual disciplines that you and I are meant to have. Prayer, regular prayer, times of fasting, uh, learning the Bible, being able to memorize the Bible, all of these things Jesus did. Jesus became what we are supposed to be, what we were designed to be. Jesus fulfilled all of that as the man He was on earth. You might think if we're supposed to be like Jesus, if, uh, if, if as our text from Colossians last week said, for all those that want to uh, remain in Him must live as Jesus lived. Uh, if we're in this place where we think, well, well, sure, I mean, Jesus lived the obedient life because He was God. True. Our text says, though He was in the form of God, not just pretending to be. He was God. His disciples would say, well, just show us the Father and that would be enough. He says, you're looking at Him. If you have seen Me, you have seen the Father. It, isn't, it wasn't as if He was a partly God. He was fully God. And when they had seen Him, they had seen the Father. Even though He had that very nature of God, He didn't count that equality with God, something that he would hang on to, but would set that aside to live life as an example for mankind as a man. Because if you and I are supposed to live like Jesus, we have to be able to. You and I have to be able to live like Jesus if he is the standard set for us now, if he's the one that we are meant to be following if we are supposed to walk in His footsteps, we need to do that as men and women. I'm not God. You're not God. We're not capable of doing uh, God-like things in that way where we are, have divinity. But we are 
made in the image of God in such a way that with Christ living in us and the Spirit indwelling us, we can live out what God has called us to. He learned all those disciplines. He lived out his life. He, did, he, command, he lived out every command of God faithfully. He even set aside his own will and his own desires so that he could do the will of the Father. That's what it is for us as well, to be obedient, faithful followers of Christ, uh, looking to uh, the interests of others, not just to ourselves, uh, doing the will of the Father, not just what I want to do. Jesus has set the example for us. He, he, he came to the place where it says he was obedient to even the point of death on a cross. And he knew absolutely what that was going to cost him, which is why he said, if there is another way, Father, I am open to that, but I am here to do your will, not mine. In the full humanity of Jesus, he said, not my will, but yours be done. And then set the standard once again for us to set aside our own will, our own desires, uh, not giving in to temptation, living our lives fully, faithfully, obediently, all the way to our own death, even if it was a horrible death, a persecuted kind of death, we would still remain obedient in following the example of Jesus. Not only did he fulfill every command all the way to the point of death, but he also fulfilled the very first command given to mankind. You remember that one? The first command given to mankind, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The very first command given to man before there was any sin in the world was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion over it. And Jesus did that. He took a few men and began to invest in their lives and grew that, that group of just a few men into a group of twelve because they were going to carry out the work that Jesus had for them to do. They were going to carry on what He did here on earth. These things you will do, Jesus said, and greater. You'll keep doing more of them. You will also then be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. We often know that verse in, in Genesis there to be, to be one of having more children. And we do that. We do that by the command of God to, to bring new life into the world so that they can also have a place in God's kingdom and fulfill His desires for them in this world. And so Jesus, uh, as our new representative, has done the very same thing. He was fruitful and multiplied and He filled the earth. And here we are. Part of the filling that took place because of the things that Jesus set in motion by His obedience to the will of the Father. Fully God and fully man. 
And while he was, as it says, in the form of God, he, he set some of that aside. He, however he did that, whatever setting aside was for Jesus, he was still fully God. But he came to earth to set a new example for humanity to live fully man the way we were uh, intended to live. And so here in the person of Jesus, you have uh, two complete identities. Uh, if you take a look at a quarter, um, on, the, on the front there is one image. There's a presidential image on one side. If you look on the back side, there's another image. Each side of the same coin has two distinct images on it. It's not a quarter just because it has this on it or just because it has that on it. It is a quarter because it has both of those on. If this was a two-faced coin, the kind that they might say, well, heads or tails, and it comes up heads every time, maybe you've got a trick coin. That's not a true quarter. The true quarter has two images on both sides and both of those combined make up the quarter. In Jesus, he is, Jesus is fully God and fully man. And in the, in the work of Jesus Christ uh, on earth, he has, he has revealed the fullness of God. He is the exact nature and imprint of God, Hebrews says. He is, he is the exact representation of who he is. Nothing short of that. And he is fully man and the exact representation of what mankind is meant to be. And we are, we are heading in the direction of being transformed into the image of our Savior. Fully man, living the way we were intended to live. We are, we are going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. That final act of transforming us into His image will take place. But that's the pathway He has us on. Being made in His likeness. What a wonderful picture uh, is painted in, in the biblical text from cover to cover. With, with Jesus, as it were, falling right in the middle of that. The image of God placed upon mankind, broken as it were, being restored and redeemed. And when Jesus comes on the earth and hangs on a cross and fulfills the will of the Father perfectly, that full and complete transformation is well underway and we are in this place where we are becoming like Him. Where He became like us in every way, that's his plan for you and me, becoming like Him in every way, living our lives as faithful men and women on this earth. Now, I can't do that perfectly. But I'm called to all the same disciplines, regular times of prayer, intense prayer, where Jesus would go off by Himself and spend hours with His Father times of fasting where, where 
Everything else in the world just doesn't matter right now except for spending time with the Father and setting aside even my own human needs for a while. Being in the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, using the Word of God. Letting the Word of God transform us and sanctify us. It is that process by which God has ordained for us that we would become like His Son. The Holy Spirit that indwelled Jesus and gave Him the power that He needed to to face temptation, that same Holy Spirit lives within us and empowers us to make right choices and to live faithfully, to be obedient children, uh, heirs with Jesus in all that God has for us. The, The image that we were supposed to have is being redeemed. Sure, I would love to see my old car in its mint condition. Big deal. I'm waiting for the day that I become just like Jesus. Living out my life the way God intended me to live it. And the Spirit that dwells within me is working on me. He's working on you, carrying out that plan so that you and I would live our lives faithfully, obediently, seeking for that ultimate uh, goal that God has set for us, not to attain our salvation. Jesus already did that. But living up to that, to where we are restored back to the place where God had intended. I can't wait for that day. There's so much junk in our lives right now. So much brokenness. The whole world is still groaning and moaning from its brokenness. But it's all being redeemed. And we are this crowning place of creation. Um, Hard to comprehend that people like me, people like you are the crowning point of creation. But God is using people like you and me to reveal Jesus to the world, reveal what God's plan is for them. We are being made into the image of our Savior in the same way that He was made into the image of mankind. Him restoring the image so that we too could be restored. All of it found as we fully and faithfully live like Jesus. Can't wait until it's complete. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, as we, as we came into our time of worship, Earlier this morning, we were, we were praying about all the things that are broken. Uh, not just broken wrists and, and uh, broken necks and uh, broken lives. Uh, all kinds of things. The entirety of our existence has brokenness uh, all over it. It's as if every time we look at something, it's like we look at a shattered mirror. Uh, there's, there's something there about that image that's still there, but it's not right. It's not whole. It doesn't look like it should. And so you have set that pattern for us. You have, you have lived here among us as one of us.
to set the example for us of how we should live. And so we pray that you would help us to make that our highest goal at all times, at every stage in our lives, to live like you lived, to live up to what you desire for us, following in your footsteps, following in the the faithful obedience to the Father. So Jesus, make us more like you each day. Uh, Be gentle and gracious when we fall, where our human nature rears its ugly head once again and we fail to live into the reality that is life in you. Our enemy came to steal and kill and destroy, but you have come to give life and life abundantly, and that's the life we want. We're tired of the life that has to do with death and sorrow and sadness and disease, murder, everything. We're tired of that. We're waiting for the day where all things will be redeemed, and that's the plan that we trust, that you have a a plan of redemption set in motion for all of mankind, for the entirety of your kingdom, that it would be restored and redeemed once again. Keep leading us in that direction and keep fulfilling your purposes in us day by day. We pray in your most holy name and through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. To the glory of God our Father. Amen.